The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined on the other line by EJ Snyder, the site's lead draft analyst. EJ, how you doing today? I'm all right. I'm not great, uh, but I'm okay. I have uh, I have weathered the loss uh, with the trip to London, and you know life goes on. So I'm doing all right. We'll put it at all right. Well, I guess we'll take all right. We'll take whatever we can get from you. I guess. Uh, let's start with beers. I'm going to just go ahead and start with mine because, um, I had a bad day Sunday. And so I have a beer called bad luck banana. It's, uh, <laughs> of course you do. I, I, <laughs> it's um, called, it's from the Finn city brewing company out of ocean city, Maryland. And it is a chocolate banana Porter. Oh, and so Right up my alley, let's be honest. And yeah. I've been kind of saving this one for a loss, but like I'm feeling like the Bears didn't get bad luck. They got beat. I'm True. feeling like the bad luck banana because I went watched the Bears absolutely come out flat and lose in London. Then I watched the Packers destroy the Cowboys, which made me feel even worse. Uh-huh. And then I was physically at the Kansas City Chiefs Indianapolis Colts game so that I could watch the Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck show. That's when I committed to the tickets. Obviously, Andrew Luck not there. And it took me until Sunday night to figure out that the Patrick Mahomes show is not showing up. And I got a weird 19 to 13 Colts uh, grinded out on the ground victory. So I think I was just bad luck on sunday and so i'm drinking this to uh i guess in my own pity what about you yeah that's kind of over three um sorry that had to happen but you know if you're gonna watch the packers that's kind of self-flagellation so i'll give you two out of three ain't bad one of them's your fault um for me i actually have a good beer and the last time uh we had to uh 
digest a bad Bears loss. We did uh, Bears over Bourbon. We went straight for that. And uh, this has a little bit of that in it. It is from New Belgium, the folks that make Fat Tire. It is a special release called Oak Spire, and it is Bourbon Barrel Ale. It is a collaboration with Knob Creek. If you're a bourbon fan, you probably know Knob Creek. And uh, this is an ale aged in Knob Creek uh, bourbon barrels. Uh, turns out to be 9% alcohol by volume, so a little heavier than your average, but smoothed out quite nicely. It says notes of toffee, vanilla, and caramel. Um, so a little bit more to drown my sorrows about a transatlantic trip that didn't end the way I wanted it to. Well, let's open them up. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, the good news, I had briefly considered the idea of taking that trip mm. and going over into London and some work stuff started stacking up and was not going to allow me to to do that trip. That would have been pretty disappointing to fly all the way over there and watch this debacle uh, of a game. Yeah, so. I think there's a lot of good things about uh, about heading over to England and the UK. And, and if you'd made it a, a trip with some other destinations, it might have been OK. But yeah, brand new stadium, tons of enthusiasm from from all accounts, Bears fans were outnumbering Raiders fans by anywhere between six or ten to one. Definitely felt like a celebration march for the Bears, and then to get your nose rubbed in it after a long flight would have been uh, trying to say the best. Well, let's get into it. Um, Bears lost a tough one in London to the Raiders, twenty-four to twenty-one. I think the general theme that everybody's going to agree on is that they came out flat put themselves into a 17-0 hole. They fought back, uh, got some interesting breaks, but fought back to go up 21-17 late, uh, but then lost that lead on a 97-yard touchdown drive, aided by a roughing the kicker call. We can talk about that or not. It's sort of irrelevant at this point. Uh, I think Chase Daniel, you know, in the end, he ultimately just threw the ball into a sea of silver and black and into the contest. Uh, He was up and down. Obviously, you know, they did have the scores, but he certainly didn't look great. Uh, and that's kind of the, the recap. Defense came out flat, and Chase Daniel looked like exactly what he is, which is a backup quarterback. So uh, we have some notes uh, that we want to get to about this game. We don't want to spend a ton of time wallowing in it, but did any big-picture stuff you wanted to mention? The first half really set the tone, and um, I – can deal with this loss a little more easily than some others because the Bears just flat out got beat. They didn't play super well and lose a heartbreaker on a bad call or a ball that bounced the wrong way or um, some field goal that got caught in the wind. They played terribly, not just average bad, but they played terribly for a full half, um, got themselves run over pretty good, and eventually just couldn't come back from that. Yes, they did take the lead, but it never felt like the Minnesota game where it felt like the Vikings never really had a chance, even when they were a little bit closer score-wise. You just didn't feel at all like Minnesota was going to put anything together. And here, it really didn't feel... It felt almost opposite of that. The Bears really weren't going to be able to stop what the Raiders were doing because they just looked, I would say, completely out of sorts, really at all three levels of the defense. And that was just so off-putting to see because it was out of character from what we've seen really so far through the entire season from the Bears defense. Um, They just made mistakes and allowed plays that we've not seen them make 
or allow so far and it was it was a bit odd it was like freaky friday or something you're looking at a team and saying wait what happened to the guys that were dominating the league because these definitely aren't them yeah absolutely it was uh tough to tough to watch and a couple of the first note i have is let's just talk about it now this is a, a bit of a conspiracy that i will admit that i actually believe and so let's let's get let's get to this one first but a lot of people talking about uh, basically jet lag all right uh the bears went over later than the raiders the raiders went over early they they basically flew out from their game in indianapolis over to london right away whereas the bears practice all week in their facility and then flew out later in the week and the story goes a lot of times when you have that much of a travel difference that uh, that jet lag and maybe just that excitement of being in a different country and sort of all the the pageantry that surrounds a game like that that you're you're not ready for it because you haven't given your body enough time to adapt and it, I I gotta say it sure seemed like that's what was going on with that defense coming out so flat and I've watched enough London games in the past that it does seem like that happens usually both squads start off slow. Uh, but the Raiders certainly didn't. They came out and punched the Bears' defensive line in the mouth. And so I kind of believe it. And I, I'm not much for, like, conspiracy stuff in general, but I I do kind of buy into the idea of getting to a place early and acclimating. We talked about it a lot in the Denver game. I thought about bringing it up in the preview. I ended up not bringing it up. Uh, but I kind of I kind of believe in this one. Where are you at? I absolutely believe it. I don't really think it's conspiracy-based. I think it's sleep science-based. Um, for those of you that have traveled overseas, it can really throw you off, especially when you go quite a ways. This is a game that's uh, not far away. It's not like Mexico City, which in terms of time zone is not any different than a game in you know the central or western United States. Um, this is, you know, a, a good deal different. They were playing in the evening. It was on in the early morning over here and your body just needs to adjust to those things. And the more time you give it to adjust and normalize for sleep patterns, for, you know, wake patterns, uh, top energy cycles, all that stuff, uh, more is better. And you would think that the bears would have looked at, at what the Raiders did previously, which is exactly what the bears did travel late, get trounced. This time they said, Nope, we're traveling early that the bears would have picked up on that and gone, Hey, we should go at about the same time, maybe give them a day off and then, you know, travel on, on Tuesday or something like that. But I I think it makes perfect sense. And the reason, uh, the evidence, I guess I have of that is it was the entire team that looked flat. It wasn't a couple of key guys or, you know, folks that looked out of sorts. The entire defense looked very, very flat energy wise. They just didn't look like they could, stand up to things in the same way that they have again for the entire season. So it was, it was a result that was very, very far off the midline and, you know, pretty obvious at, at again, all three levels. Yeah. And to be fair, the offense probably looked flat too. We're just, that's just what we've been used to seeing. So uh, <laughs> it's like uh, no one's talking about the offense coming out flat because we've just now been, that's kind of the thing. That, yeah. That, 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 that sucks. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that kind of leads me to my next point, which is, it, you know, is Matt Nagy in a bit of a sophomore slump? It's and, tough and, to and tell. I mean this in a couple ways because, you know, your first year you come in, you've got a lot of energy. It's probably just kind of everything's new. 
And at some point, they had to make that decision to say, you know, no, no, no we're gonna just we're just gonna fly out to Denver on a normal schedule. We're not gonna worry about that altitude thing. No, 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 we're gonna fly out to London like it's a normal game. We're not gonna worry about that time zone, different stuff. And that I assume those question those questions were answered early in the summer. You know, probably yeah, long right enough. after the schedule comes out. Because mm-hmm. a lot of planning goes into that, right? Absolutely. And so I. Like those decisions are made a long time ago, and I don't know about CBA if there's you know if there's something in the collective bargaining agreement that you know restricts teams from being able to travel players for longer, or no, if it's a budget I thing, so. or I, I have no idea, right? I I don't know the ins and outs of that, but like those those decisions, I think were a little. Those are going to add to his sophomore year. Nagy's sophomore year as a coach. Like, hopefully, he learns from these things and is willing to take that leadership on in the future when he has, you know, one of these weird games and says, like, no, 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 this is important. This is an opportunity for us to build uh, team camaraderie uh, by traveling together and staying somewhere else together. You know, kind of taking taking the show on the road for a while. Uh, and 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 I just I kind of just see this as like another lesson that he's learning the hard way. And I, I feel like it's kind of been in his play calling, some of his in-game decision management. I just it's starting to feel like he's really kind of having a sophomore slump. What do you think about that? I think in ways that's fair, uh, that he's sort of continuing to learn lessons. Uh, I think the primary judgment for whether or not Nagy's having a more difficult second year than than his initial year is is going to come from the result on the field, and and that's tougher to tell. That's muddied by. You know, coaches can call plays, and if they're not executed, it's very tough to tell if they, you know, quote unquote, would have worked if they were executed uh, at a level of competency that he's used to. Um, I think some of this, or a lot of this, is probably rooted in the fact that the Bears overachieved last year with a with a rookie head coach. Um, they end up, you know, going to a very good record, going to the playoffs in their first year. Yes, they get beat in the first game on a bad luck bounce, but. A lot of people are saying, look, if they'd had a different draw or they'd made that kick, it's likely that they end up in the Super Bowl. So that's a tremendous result for any team ever, but certainly a team with a major change in coaching, uh, offensive philosophy. There are a lot of changes with the Bears, personnel, all that. So they they got the good bounces last year and they ended up with a good result. Now, did they earn them? I think they did. I don't think it was undeserved, but it definitely set the bar very high. Chicago is very hungry for a winner and they naturally said, all right, we're going to do better in the second year. Why wouldn't we? Um, and we talked about this a little bit on the last show, the, the definition of regression, but it's tough to match some of those bounces. And in a lot of ways, they just haven't uh in multiple ways i think and they're adding up and this season looks more difficult than last season actually it it mirrors last season in some very interesting ways uh in terms of i saw a thing posted on twitter about how this season maps almost exactly to the first four games of last season and then Obviously, the Bears took off, hit their groove. The club dub thing came on. They started winning. They started believing in themselves. Confidence became a thing. And they rolled right to the end of the season. Bears have a a tall order on their plate if they're going to match that. So that's definitely, I think, leading to a lot of this perception that, oh, it's so much worse than last year. It's almost exactly the same as last year. But with all the expectation that came out of how last year finished, this year doesn't feel like last year at all. 
No, not really. And particularly since maybe we were just so used to the bad teams and then it took off after the bye. And we just said like, well, why wouldn't it start from there? That and then pick very back common up? sentiment. Right. And I know I was, I was guilty of that just as much as anybody, particularly when thinking about the offense and Mitchell yep. Trubisky thinking like, well, he's going to take those lessons and then he's going to apply them. And Nagy's going to not make those same mistakes. He's going to go back. He's going to learn from them. These guys are going to be better in year two. We haven't seen that yet. Doesn't, you know, there's still 11 games left, so it's not like the, the book is already written, but yeah, there's, there's a lot. And we'll, we'll get into that in the second half of the show, but well, let's, I, I want to talk about, Mitchell Trubisky was not in this game because he's still he's still hurt, uh, but Chase Daniel certainly is uh, not hurt but playing. And I think that well, I think the basic thing to describe Chase Daniel is he looked like exactly what we thought he was. He looks like a backup. And I I never thought EJ that I would be spending time on Twitter trying to interact with Bears fans and telling them that Tyler Bray is not the answer. But there I was. Yeah, as a veteran of that activity, I did it after camp during the preseason when Bray had a couple of nice throws in the preseason and people came out of the woodwork trying to convince that he was the answer over Daniel and we didn't need to keep Daniel because Daniel was expensive and Bray was better anyways. And, you know, we saw Tyler Bray when we went to camp first three days everybody's warming up nobody looks great but Bray looked bad in the first three days he just looked flat out bad and he's not a rookie uh he's familiar with the system he's been in the league six years he is what he is at this point he's not going to take a a sixth year jump and suddenly become fantastic he's a again a known known uh what Tyler Bray is and can do is pretty well set and people tend to take a very small sample size or one good highlight and say look that's what he can do all the time and that's the difference between a highlight or a preseason game and being a consistent starting quarterback at the NFL level is you're going to have to have all the answers because everybody's going to get film on you and adjust and then you're going to have to you know, adjust again. You're going to have to go to that 2.0 level if you're going to continue to be successful. And there's a lot of guys, let's be honest, that can't do that. In fact, that's why there's a shortage of quarterbacks in the NFL. So I don't think Daniel's the answer. We got a lot of that. Oh, Daniel will be fine. The Bears will just roll right along. He might even be better than Trubisky. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay, in some ways, you know, he is, he certainly looks calm like he's missing less reads and he will make the plays that are in front of him and that could be better than what Trubisky's shown for the first corner definitely but again my question on the last show is can he make the play in the fourth quarter to put the Bears in position can he put the team on his back to do that and I really don't think the answer is yes with even Chase Daniel the answer with Tyler Bray is oh hell no he might make a decent throw now and again, but Tyler Bray is not going to string together a couple of drives to win a football game at the NFL level against a starting number one defense week in, week out. Might he do it on one given Sunday and get sort of Ryan Fitzpatrick status? He might. He might. But I wouldn't even put money on that. So the idea that he's a better option as a full-time starter in the NFL is just clearly wrongheaded. Yeah, when I did the five questions exchange with the Raiders guy this last week, he actually asked me the question. He said, 
you know, it, basically something to the effect of, do some people believe that Chase Daniel is a better option than Mitchell Trubisky? And my response was, yes, some people <laughs> do think that. Uh, some people also think that the earth is flat. Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, there are people out there that think that they are very wrong. And I, I, my, when I continued the answer, I said, what you have to understand is you can't compare the hypothetical ceiling of a Chase Daniel game against the hypothetical floor of a Mitchell Trubisky game. Mm-hmm. I'll take, I'll take the Daniel ceiling game. Sure. Absolutely. But I'm not going to get that very often. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also not going to get the Trubisky floor game very often, I hope. And so in the <laughs> long run, what am I, what am I wanting to bet on? Am I right. wanting to bet on the skill set of Trubisky to hopefully bounce back to what he was for large chunks of last year and then improve on that? Yeah, obviously I want to bet on that, right? Yeah. Um, do I want to bet that a guy that has been in the league a long time and is a fine backup, not a good backup, but he's a fine backup, do I want to bet that he can string together four or five great starts? No, I don't want to bet on that. There's a reason why no one's given him the Nick Foles deals or the, you know, uh, you know some, some of these guys that, that get money thrown at him in the, the offs, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick or whatever, you know, some of these guys that kind of float around their league, uh, you know, considering their career as a starter, he's a guy that plays backup quarterback. And that's what people have to understand about Tyler Bray is he's a guy that plays practice squad quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> like, he plays backup backup quarterback. Backup. He's making practice squad, right? Yeah. And so, you know, th- these these guys know where these quarterbacks rank or what they can get out of them. This is not someone who just needs to be Tyler Bray. Speaking of, this is not someone who just needs just needs a chance to go go against NFL speed uh, against starters. Just just throw them out there and see what happens. That's not what you do. That's not what good coaches do. Yeah. Uh, and so, I just no. The answer to Tyler Bray is no. Yep. That's it. Okay. I agree. Let's move on from backup quarterbacks and backup and I, backup. I just have to say at this point that in the preseason, I floated the idea that why would you keep Tyler Bridge your third quarterback? Yes, he's familiar. Yes, he has practice squad eligibility, but that is his greatest attribute. Um, if he didn't have the practice squad eligibility, there's no reason to keep him. So in my mind, there's no reason to keep him. It's much better to go get a developmental number three and see if you can get anything out of him. And there were a bunch of guys that got cut that I listed on Twitter and said, hey, I would rather have these guys than Tyler Bray because they're maybes. They're not guaranteed better, but they might develop. They might have some developmental potential to make it to like the Chase Daniel level to be the career backup, right? So why would you not want one of those guys in your system? And a lot of people jumped on me, especially because Bray had had a couple of good throws in the preseason and said, no, you're an idiot. Bray's great. And I was like, "Mm." and here we are with Chase Daniel starting for the Bears, you know, one play away from, hey, wouldn't it be nice to have a guy with some potential or are you going to trot out Tyler Bray? So it's not as far-fetched as as everybody said in the preseason. So I'm just going to put that little tick in there and we can move on. Uh, definitely needs to be in the the basket of goods that Ryan Pace delivers for next off season. Yeah. Uh, is is a new new quarterback, developmental quarterback. Uh, all right, let's the next point. I just I, I just want to ask the question, and I, I kind of know where I'm coming down on this, but John Gruden's a pretty good offensive mind. Now, did he show a recipe for how to beat this defense, or do you think it was simply a matter of the Bears defense just coming out flat? I'm going to say no. And then I'm going to qualify it with John Gruden is a good offensive coach. And he did have a solid offensive plan, including 
being, you know, minus his two top wide receivers. That's impressive. That's a that's an NFL quality coach right there. However, if you have a running back who is a rookie who looks like the second coming of Jim Brown, why would you go away from him? Josh Jacobs came out and looked amazing. Now, just the week before, the Bears had absolutely stoned a much better running back in Dalvin Cook. So if Josh Jacobs had come out in the first two, three, four drives, or even the first half, and come away with 20 total yards like Dalvin Cook did, John Gruden's plan wouldn't look so good. He would have had to go to those backup wide receivers, and we would have seen that they were outmatched versus the Bears' corners, flat or not. But Gruden hit that spot where the Bears were out of sorts for whatever reason, certainly not playing like they had for the rest of the season. I think we can all agree with that. And he was getting chunk yardage on the ground. There isn't any reason to go away from that. If you can establish the run and get big pieces of yardage out of it, you just keep doing that. You beat the team up. And he had the Raiders beating up the Bears. So is it a recipe for beating the defense? Not when they're playing like they did for the first quarter of the season. So if they come out and they're fired up, that plan doesn't work. In this case, it did. And he was smart enough to ride it and keep going and get enough points to win. So is it a recipe for beating the Bears defense? I don't think it is. The Vikings tried it and they lost, you know, fairly decisively. If the defense comes back into form, which is an if, but I think it will, uh, teams are not going to be able to follow the Raiders blueprint and win. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I felt the same way and I really felt like the game script then played out in a very negative way when you have a backup quarterback and an offense that hasn't gotten started. The last thing you want to do is get down by multiple scores. And it just sort of reinforced it was just kind of a vicious cycle after that. And obviously the Bears did find a way to get back into the lead. But again, like you said, it never really felt like that game was in control for the Bears. So um, I, I agree. It is interesting to see what Sean Payton will do, uh, who the Bears have next, who is a very good offensive mind and is all is working with a backup quarterback at this point. We don't know if Drew, Beasel, Drew Brees will be back. Uh, and they have a very talented running back and a good offensive line. So be interesting to see what happens in the next game. But yeah, we'll talk about that in the second half. I, we've both got thoughts about that and it's coming up. So, yeah, well, I don't want to get into Saints too much. Probably just save that for next week. You know, we got, we got some stuff for the second half uh, of the show, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll save the preview for next week, but just kind of sure. thinking ahead, like, you know, there, you know, there's some good offensive lines down the road. You know, there's Sean Payton, uh, Sean McVay are both on the schedule still. So uh, it's interesting to see what can happen. Um, I, the last note that I just want to have that I want to touch on from this game is is Akeem Hicks's injury. Uh, I believe he dislocated his elbow. At least that's what it looked like. I, I guess I haven't followed up on an official report of how long he'll be out. I assume it'll be a little while. Uh, uh, the report today that. was that he will return, quote unquote, during the season. So okay. not during the playoffs, but that could be, you know, an extended absence. I imagine it's going to be uh, at least a month. You know, that's not the kind of thing that a defensive lineman's going to be able to operate without. Let's put it that way. No, having both arms as a defensive lineman is a good thing. <laughs> and so let's make sure that he gets back to health. And, you know, look, this is. This is a big deal. Like this is a this is a blue chip player. He's a leader on the field. He's incredibly likable, uh, not just by his teammates but by fans. Like and this guy's kind of a you know uh, 
I, I just I have this love of Akeem Hicks because I really think that he's the one that started the turnaround yep. of this team. And so I'm, I'm this really bums me out yeah, because I really like watching him play. And I think he's just really good as a, kind of the spirit of this defense. And so this is a big deal, although I think that we have both been pretty impressed by the quality of play that we've seen from his backups. And so it's an opportunity for those guys to step up at least for the next few games and take on starting roles or take on a bigger share of the workload. Um, anything that you saw from the those backup players after Hicks went out uh, that kind of stuck with you? Well, they they looked just like the rest of the team in the fact that they really didn't start playing until the second half, which was um, disappointing, but the rest of the defense wasn't playing behind them either. It's not like the linebackers were cleaning up the defensive line mistakes or, or vice versa. Um, nobody was playing terribly well. And, you know, running backs were consistently getting two and three extra yards. If they were getting met at the, you know, four yards past the line of scrimmage, they ended up seven yards past the line of scrimmage. And that was, not the result we're used to seeing from the typical Bears defense. Um, one thing, it was very interesting to have Jonathan Harris active um, as opposed to Abdullah Anderson. Uh, I didn't think Harris was very impressive in the preseason. I was much more impressed with Abdullah Anderson. So seemed like a strange bottom of the roster choice at the time. Um, turned out to play a somewhat significant role uh, in how the game turned out. But again, it's tough to pin it on a single player and say, oh, they didn't, you know, they didn't do their assignment or they didn't come to play. The entire defense didn't come to play. Ha, Clinton Dix looked terrible in the first half. He had some very shoddy plays, tackling and coverage. Um, Roquan did not look like himself. Uh, obviously, Hicks getting injured was a sort of deflating moment for all the reasons you talked about and the fact that it was a separate injury from the one he'd just come back from. The timing of that and just sort of the feeling of, oh, here we go again, is palpable. And the defense definitely looked defeated for a little bit. I was happy that they rallied in the second half a bit, but again, never really got their footing in their traction and said, you know, this is ours and you can't have it the way they have through the first quarter of the season. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of blame to go around, but um, we'll, we'll see if this, you know, I think the week off is going to be really good for the defense to uh, regroup and really try to see what they can come up with for a defensive line rotation is, you know, probably both of those guys are going to play a role here coming up. So um, it'll be interesting to, to see how that shakes out. But I, I don't know about you, but I say we've probably talked too long about this terrible game. So let's close the book on this one and uh, take a quick break, and then we'll see on the other side to kind of talk about what we expect coming out of the second in, into the second half. All right, we're back, EJ. So let's talk about where we're at right now. So the Bears sit at 3-2 and two at the break. Well, I saw a stat today, and I just I had to put it in here, but they have the most difficult remaining schedule in the NFL. <laughs> um, so great news. And uh, <laughs> so just basically, like, what do you think this team needs to do to renew those preseason hopes? Well, the defense has got to get back to playing like it did. I think the Raiders game in London is a bit of an anomaly. I think we'll see the defense return to a somewhat premium level. And I think that's, you know, good for their chances in terms of offense. They need almost a complete reworking. And that's, uh, 
that's a daunting thought. Now Nagy did it a little bit last year. One of my, uh, one of the readers on Twitter reminded me that, you know, basically that's exactly what he did at the break last year is say, Hey, what's working and retool the offense, put it in, you know, Trubisky's sort of strengths basket and, and they rolled the rest of the way. And I said, here's hoping history repeats itself. They've got a lot of work to do on, on offense. Again, it's kind of like the defensive performance in London. The offense needs to get better at almost all levels. If your name's not Allen Robinson and you're in the Bears offense right now, you really need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what's going on? Um, and what do I need to do to make sure that uh, I play my role so that this offense comes together? Football's a team sport. Very difficult to get anything going at all if the offensive line doesn't play cohesively. They haven't. And after that, there's still, you know, the quarterback needs to make good decisions. Running backs need to pick the right holes. Um, people need to hold their blocks for the extra half second. There's a ton of things that go into offensive success. And really the only guy through the first quarter of the season that's looked quite good, very, very capable on offense is Allen Robinson. Um, we can argue about Anthony Miller being open more than he's been hit. That's true. But in terms of consistent offensive play, Allen Robinson's the one guy that's that's done great. And we need a combination of better play calling and better execution to really see what this team's capable of. And if they don't get any offensive production, they're going to lose more close games than they win. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's let's start about let's, let's talk about up front first. Okay, so let's let's deal with this offensive line. I know both of us were pretty high on this offensive line coming in. I loved the switch. I was leading that charge. I was leading that charge from the beginning. That switch being uh, James Daniels moving to center and Cody Whitehair moving to guard. Thought those were the natural positions for those two guys. I still believe that's the long term position for those guys. Uh, those two arguably are playing the best on this offensive line and that's not really good uh <laughs> charles leno seems like he's struggling a little bit more than i thought he was uh, kind of watching him a little bit more and you know seeing him get beat with a little bit more regularity than he'd like to see uh bobby massey i think is okay um but let's can we start with kyle long we're gonna have to it's uh it's not good no, it's beyond not good. It's not. Uh, it's just not at this point. And I posted something on Twitter uh, during the game about, look, time to call facts, facts. The Bears offense is not serviceable right now, and they've got a lot of work to do really at every level before they can even be considered competent. And Long needs to go out of the lineup. Now, I'm not saying off the team. I'm not saying kick him out of the league. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm just saying he can't be playing for the bears right now. He either has a combination of wear and tear that is not allowing him to perform at the level he'd like to, or he's hiding an injury and trying to play through it, which I think is probably more likely um, given his history, but his play right now is horrendous Uh, for a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. He's got to be near the bottom. Guys are just flat pushing him aside, running around him, things that you would never see from a healthy Kyle long at guard. Um, his, you know, spot of choice where he can really use that, well, typically use that tremendous, almost superhuman power. Um, he's definitely got great reactions and a mean streak that he can push guys out of the way. Right now he can do none of that. So he's bad versus the pass rush. He's bad in the run game. He's not getting any movement. He's getting beat with regularity. If you go back and watch the film, it's not hard to pick out 
multiple times where his assignment, he maybe holds his block for a second, a second and a half. And after that, the guy is completely around him and he's just sort of pivoting awkwardly to see where he's gone. Uh, Whatever's wrong with him, he just needs to get out of the lineup and get healthy. And if that means they have to sit him down, fine. If that means they assess him and they, you know, it's something that's going to take long enough, they put him on IR, fine. Whatever the case is, Kyle needs to get healthy and he's not there right now. He's not playing at a at a serviceable level for the NFL. So, um, you know, Rashad Coward showed some things at guard that I thought were pretty good and, and might be, um, you know, developable over the rest of the season. Um Alex Bars is still on the team. You know, is he ready to go and, and take a shot a little bit earlier than we than we thought he might be? Uh, whatever it is, it can't be as bad as Kyle right now. Kyle is at the bottom of his game. Yeah, I I wonder if we're going to see something coming out of this break. It's going to be hard for them to look at the game film with an honest evaluation and not see what we've been seeing and have to come to facts. And he's, you know, he's been such a great leader and I don't, obviously I don't know what's wrong. And sometimes maybe all those things just pile up and they get to a point where you just can't overcome it, but it's not good. And I look, that's the Jersey I have. Yeah. I I love this guy. You know, I don't, I don't want to give up on him, but he needs to get right. And Or or maybe that never happens again. And, and you know, we've seen the last of him. And I, I know he hasn't seemed like he's been around that long. I mean, he's been around for a while. Yeah, but he joined the league he, late. Right? He was an he older was, rookie. He was an older rookie. He played baseball, yep. came back to football. Um, he's had a ton of injuries. There's a lot of possibility that it's a bit like, usually it comes later for offensive linemen, but it's a bit like running backs hitting 30. There's just not many examples of guys being terribly productive, Frank Gore aside after 30 (laughs) um it just doesn't happen and and with offensive linemen that usually goes to 34 or 35 before they really start to fall off but again this is the premier league in the world and uh, it is terribly athletic and if your athleticism drops to a point that drop is precipitous it's either a it's binary it's either you can or you can't and when you can't anymore you just can't and if that time has come i'm not saying it has if that time has come for kyle um we're not gonna see him again and i had worried openly about this uh when he was coming back from his last round of surgery so not this year but last year and today you know there's every possibility that he comes back and he just doesn't work at the level that he worked at before and there's nothing there's no shame in that. Like this is a very difficult thing to do, an extremely difficult thing to do. You know, 0.01% of football players in the United States get to go to the NFL. And he was there and he was dominant for a while. He's not there now. And it's possible that he's hit the end of his string. It's sad because he's a great leader for the bears. He's tried very hard. He's given his body for the game. There's none of that is debatable, but again, the NFL is about, can you do your job? And his job is block the guy in front of him. And right now he can't. And you know, that means someone else is going to step up. It's the next man, next man up thing. And somebody has to be that next man right now because Kyle can't get it done. Yeah. Just, he looks a little lost out there too. It's just, it's a man. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to watch. I, I, I get it. Just ask you have any thoughts on Charles Leno? You, you Leno has not looked as good. Uh, he's, I think the emphasis he, he mentioned, uh, somebody asked him about his sort of level play this year. And, and a lot of the, I think a lot of the holding calls 
that he's been called with because penalties have been a thing for him as well. And, and that starts to sap at your confidence if you don't know what the parameters are of what you can do versus what you used to be able to do. Seems to be a bit of a thing with Leno this year. Uh, he's, you know, he's been caught or over the line um, more than he has in the past. He was not very penalized in the last couple of seasons. He's been more penalized this year. That starts to sap at your, at your, you know, mental edge of, hey, I know I can do this and I'll be fine. He does that. He gets flagged for it. Um, there's been some of that, but his play has not been as good. He's looked really stellar, and I think uh, that might be scheme as well. He really reached the point last year where they could leave him alone on an island oh, roughly about 90% of the time. They very rarely gave him chip help from the tight end or, or a, you know, a back backing him up. They He was at a level where he could handle his assignment one-on-one. And I think they got, they being the Bears, got very used to that. And I think they started off the year with that. And he's gotten beat a little bit. He's been penalized a little bit. You know, maybe he's regressed a little bit. Um, progression's not linear. It does go up and down. He looks like he's hit a bump in the road. They're going to have to start giving him a little more help, whether they want to or not, because that's just the reality of the thing. Um, but he also doesn't get the calls. He doesn't have that star quarterback, and he, you know, he's not David Bakhtiari. And you know, if he was blocking for Aaron Rodgers right now and could throttle guys and, and basically tackle him and not get called for it, I think he'd be fine, and we wouldn't be having this discussion. But the bottom line is, he's not. He's blocking for Chase Daniel right now, and he's not going to get any extra calls. Um, and that's got him a little bit on edge. I think he's still fine athletically, but the results have not been great. Yep, I think you're right. All right, well let's get let's get back to Trubisky. So my note says Trubisky come back with an exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, I'm ready for it. And, you know, you hear Nagy saying, like, well, we think he, there's a possibility that he comes back. I, I mean, if I had to guess, I, I think he's going to be back for the New Orleans game. That's just total guesswork on my part. But just trying to put the pieces together from what I've seen uh, from a couple different people, it seems like there's a, you know, there's a pretty good chance that he'll be back. Hopefully, I'm definitely hoping he doesn't have any setbacks because we need him back. So the question that I have is, Will Matt Nagy be able to unlock Trubisky and this offense uh, when Trubisky returns from his injury? If he doesn't, um, the Bears season's over. Because, again, the, the defense will win them some games, but it's a team game and you need the team to play in balance. And if this offense continues to play and produce at the level it has for the first quarter, uh, the Bears aren't going anywhere. They probably won't make the playoffs. Um, and that's just the reality. It really needs to come together in gel in the way that it did after the bye last year. Uh, I said that Nagy needs to pull a page out of Doug Peterson's playbook and his staff from a couple of years ago. Um, the second time Nick Foles replaced Carson Wentz and they made a late run. So Nick Foles came in for a couple of games. The offense looked terrible. Um, Peterson pulled his staff and said, all right, look, we've made a change here. We've got to change it up. We've got to adjust to the talent we have on the field. They did, and they went on a deep run in the playoffs. Um, that's tremendous coaching. And look, uh, Nagy knows Peterson. He came from the, the Andy Reid tree. Uh, he's got to take a look at that example and say, all right, what do I have right now? You know, we just talked about Charles Leno. I've got a left tackle that's playing at a at a midline level, not a terrible level, but not the, the high level he was playing at, maybe top 10 last year. I've got a right tackle who's pretty solid. Um, I've got a fresh guard because I have to replace Kyle Long. I've got 
a guard center combo and white hair and Daniel who are still learning the ropes. I'm not still not sold on that switch. I think it probably will be good in the future, but it's tough to tell that right now. They've had some really rough patches for the first three or four games. Um, he's got to look at what he has. He's got Montgomery who's learning into the fact that he can't, you know, just run over guys in the NFL that he's got to, he's got to do a little bit more. He's got Allen Robinson playing at a very high level. He does not have a tight end playing at a very high level. Uh, you know, and he might be with backup quarterback for one more start. If not, he's got uh, a limited starting quarterback that he needs to protect. What can he do that's effective? And he's going to have to put all that in a pot and stir and come up with a few things. And his margin for error is really small. He can't have a lot of throwaway plays. He can't have a lot of those two cute plays that don't get anything. He's got to start stringing drives together and build the confidence of this offense right away. And if he doesn't, they could stumble. Um, and if they do, if they have a horrible, you know, five interception game or they have a seven sack game or something like that or a, or a 10 yard rushing game, it's going to be difficult. This offense is not starting from a place of strength. It really is starting at the bottom of the league. It's bottom three in the league right now. And those are just facts. They are not producing. When I watch almost any other NFL game, I'm looking at offenses that are at least semi-competent or, or have an identity and the only reason I know that is because I've been watching the Bears offense and it doesn't feel at all like that. So they've they've got to find what works for them, lean on it, adjust to the way people are playing this season, not the way they were playing last season, and try and build, you know, one game at a time. I know it's a cliche, but that's all they've got right now. And if they have a setback, the, the work's going to get doubly hard. Yeah, and just put that into perspective for you guys, the Bears are 30th basically, in most uh, metrics for offense. And they are ahead of the New York Jets, whose quarterback has mono and couldn't play because if his spleen got hit, he could die. And they are ahead of the Miami Dolphins, who Who are tanking on purpose. Purposely trying to tank. (laughs) And so that's not good company. You do not want to keep that company. No, and that comes back to the tweet I posted. If you watch the Bears... Bears fan or not, you cannot look at this offensive unit right now and say that it's functioning. It's just flatly not functioning most of the time. Occasionally, yeah, they have their flashes, but in general, 50-50 even, you can't say that the result of the play is going to be positive. No, absolutely not. Um, I want to talk about the schedule a little bit more in depth. So this is what the Bears face for the rest of the year. I'm going to read it off. They have the Saints and then the Chargers at home. They go on the road to Philly. They come back home for the Lions, go on the road to the Rams, come back home for the Giants, go on the road to the Lions, back home for the Cowboys, at Packers, home for Chiefs, at Vikings. Now, <laughs> let's let's talk about this. It's the hardest remaining yep. schedule in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, glass half full. We might miss Breeze. Uh, I can't go with you on that as a glass half full because Bridgewater just figured it out. Like, I really like Teddy. He wasn't playing at a great level. He was playing at an average level. And then, you know, last week he goes off for four touchdowns and a bunch of long completions. Teddy's getting that offense dialed. It's it's very balanced. I I don't think missing Breeze is going to be much of a bonus. Well, you kind of blew my glass half empty that I was going to get to eventually, but that's fine. Uh, The Chargers aren't as good as many thought. I mean, I thought they'd be better. 
and they are still banged up. And I don't know what their health situation is going to be by the time they come to Chicago, but um, there's a little bit there. Uh, I think the Giants still overall aren't good. So that was like kind of the only things I had for half glass full. Uh, (laughs) And then I said glass half empty. I I think the Saints are really good top to bottom and might not need Breeze. Uh, The Giants are better than I expected at the beginning of the year because they did the right thing for once and went to Daniel Jones really early. And he looks like he's at least somewhat interesting. Uh, I don't think he's really played much in terms of defensive you know, competition yet. We'll see what he looks like on Thursday against the Patriots, but um, he's at least better than Eli uh, or the zombie Eli that we've seen the last couple of years. Yep. Uh, Rams are a much better home team than they are a road team. Like Jared Goff splits are just kind of like unbelievable of how much better he plays at home than he plays on the road. Yep. And we have to go there. And I just, I do not. I am the last person who wants to admit this because this means I was very wrong. But the Packers look like they just might run away with this thing. Uh, let's be honest. The reason you hate admitting that is not because it's that you're wrong. It's that it has anything to do with the Packers and something positive. Well, yeah, I know, but yeah, still, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. No, I, I'm with you. Uh, uh, as far as your glass half empty stuff, um, Saints are great and. Um, Trubisky coming back against the Saints really bothers me because back in our matchup show with Lester Wilfong at the beginning of the year, we talked about individual matchups that we really liked. And mine, one of mine was Cameron Jordan against, you know, Charles Leno and Leno's not playing great. Jordan's playing at his traditionally very high level, not getting a ton of press, but still creating a ton of pressure. And if Cam Jordan beats the hell out of Trubisky, like he's not going to last a week. Um, Cam Jordan is a fantastic pass rusher and if he slams into Trubisky a couple of times I realize that's not allowed under the rules anymore but if he does and Trubisky lands on that bum shoulder it's going to be it's going to be trouble um Giants better than expected but their secondary is very vulnerable the problem is Bears have Bears passing game hasn't shown much at all to really challenge that so might never get to see that Rams being a much better home team I have a sneaky feeling that the Bears are, are going to match the Rams home or not. Um, you're right. Golf splits are much better. McVay is a very solid coach, but I really think the Bears kind of created the can opener for the Rams last year. Uh, the the blueprint, if you will, on how to beat the Rams. I think they can do it again. I just have a feeling they might get lucky with that. Packers might run away with this thing. Yes, their defense is much better than you or I or really anybody else predicted with all those new pieces. Um, their offense looks serviceable, even without their top receiver, Devonte Adams. Uh, but the defense is really sort of carrying this team in terms of we thought they were going to be terrible or at least take a while to gel. And they came together very, very quickly and have been playing at a high level. So not a great schedule. Um, and I think the Lions are a tough out both in Chicago and uh, in Detroit. I don't think the Bears will lose both of those games. But the Lions are not a pushover this year, and neither one of those is a guaranteed W. Um, you know, Cowboys have been playing at a at a solid level. Uh, Chiefs always dangerous. Um, at Vikings, I feel a little bit better about. But again, the defense is going to have to come to play. So 
I'd say the Chargers, oh, we didn't even talk about at Philadelphia. I think that's going to be a very, very tough Yeah, we game. just move on from that one. <laughs> yeah, just, that's just kind of a, that eh. yeah, so Saints, not likely. Chargers, mm, I'd say toss-up really depends on which Chargers team comes to play. At Philly, I'm not hopeful. Lions, look, I think they'll probably split with the Lions. I don't know whether they'll win at home or away. At Rams, I have a good feeling about um, Giants at home, I think could be a winnable game, although Saquon Barkley is coming back much faster than anybody should from an injury. Cowboys going to be a very tough game, even on the road. Um, at Packers, not hopeful. Chiefs in Chicago, look, it's the Chiefs. Um, I think Andy Reid probably wipes the floor with Matt Nagy, and at Vikings, probably winnable. So, you know, best they're kind of splitting down the stretch, and that's best. So um, going to be a tough road to hoe for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's... I, you know, I saw a lot of like bears have a really tough schedule to start the year. And my response is always like, you don't know that. You never know. But by now, (laughs) and by now though, you kind of have an idea. Yeah. Kind of know. Yeah. It doesn't look good unless there's some major injuries. Yeah. Yeah. And the division looks much better than overall as a whole. It looks like probably the best division in football. Um, I think it's the only division with four teams that look legitimately decent uh you know you've got like the nfc west that has three teams that look pretty good but they've got the cardinals to beat up on mm-hmm. so uh, you know you've got the <laughs> you've got the afc east with two teams that look like they're terrible <laughs> yeah just, two teams was, that look like they're decent i just okay i i want to do something but like real quick the the dolphins play washington this week Ugh. One team that's trying to tank and one team that wasn't trying to tank, but is isn't trying to tanking. tank, but is very successful at it. Yeah, I, that's, I, right. I got it. I kind of don't know who's going to win that. Like, yeah, it's, it's almost like somebody's going to have to, right? Like I nobody's going to want it. to, but somebody's. Yeah, exactly, because it's like it's like a train wreck, right? Who's who's going to get the the worst bounce? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have like this feeling that there's going to be like eight turnovers, but like. You know, like fifty-yard runs, and yeah. the, the guy falls just, down. Like it's just oh, like man. I don't know. Like, I, it's such an odd situation with Miami, and I'm just going to talk about it for a couple of seconds. But here's a team that's openly trying to lose. Everybody knows it. The owners come out and said it. Um, you know, there's just such an interesting op- opportunity. We've already seen Minka Fitzpatrick leave and go to the Steelers. There are good players on that team, right? The The team is not as bad as the ownership would like it to be right now because they are trying to go 0-16 and guarantee themselves a top pick, and the rules still allow them to do that. Um, I don't know if that will continue through the next you know, CBA negotiation, but um, for right now they can do it, and they are trying to do it. But there's still good players on the Dolphins. There's three or four players that you kind of want to go after, and they're going to take bottom dollar for him because they don't want to win. They're not even, it's just the model is flipped on his head and it's so rare. It's, I can't think of another opportunity where it's been quite so clear. And it's like, go get those guys for pennies on the dollar because they'll make your team better. And the dolphins aren't even really going to fight you for them. So it's just a rare situation. And I would love to see Ryan pace identify a guy or two. I've certainly talked about Josh Rosen at length, 
you just don't get a chance to get a first round quarterback for, you know, maybe a third round pick, maybe a second, but still there's a guy that has potential to start as opposed to all these other backups that bears fans have been saying, Oh, we should go get Ryan Fitzpatrick. We should go get, um, I saw Colt McCoy. I saw, I was like, no, no, these guys are all like Tyler Bray and Chase Daniel. There's their ceiling is known. Like Rosen's the one guy that if you put him with a competent offense, which again, the bears don't have right now, um, he might turn into starter material. Everybody, almost everybody else out there is just a tremendous long shot to do that. And it's just such an odd situation with Miami this year. I'm like, take advantage of it. You know, when the opportunity presents itself, strike while the iron's hot and go get, you know, whatever's of value on that team because they're just going to give it away. Yeah, it's like the Khalil Mack. Oh, they're not going to trade Khalil Mack. Well, they did. So, you know. Yeah, they weren't even that's... in a situation where they were trying to tank openly. No, they wanted they just... draft picks. Right. And they got them, but Miami's like, take them, whatever, I don't care. Like, they're, they're not even going to fight you right now. So go go get the talent that's left. There are two or three more guys like Minka that have real talent that they, you know, drafted back when they wanted to win. All right, let's let's turn back to the Bears. So I want to kind of go back and, you know, we, we did a lot of preview shows. Yep. And we went through the entire roster, and you know we had a we had Lester on to talk about the season. Uh, you know we had Jonathan Wood on to talk about some stats. I mean we talked about a lot of stuff. I wish I could burn those tapes because I was wrong nah. on a lot of things. But yeah, well that's why the NFL is great. Quite frankly, let's talk about what we think we got right. And what we think we got wrong. So let's start with the positive. What do we think we got right? So first thing, and I think you'll agree with this, is I think we nailed the the defense. I think we had it figured out that this defense was going to be more aggressive. And therefore, it was still going to be at an elite level. Yeah, I my first note was defense will not regress and might. uh, And again, this was our preseason prediction might even be better with additional aggression from Pergano because we knew that Vic Fangio was very conservative with how many times he would bring um, additional rushers for pressure. We knew that Pagano is basically the flip side of that coin, that he is almost always going to bring pressure. And both of us felt that that was going to be a positive result for this defense. We were uh, sort of on the fence with Buster Screen, who's played really pretty pretty well, passably at least, and, and probably better than that. Um so defense, yeah, I think we absolutely nailed that. Um, the other one we nailed is a pod favorite, um, Allen Robinson. We both came away from camp saying this guy is completely healed. He's dominating. He's the first option if they throw him the ball. And really, quite frankly, as we've seen even in the first quarter of the year, uh, even if they don't, he's still dominating. He's still open. Um, he's not dropping anything. Allen Robinson is absolutely balling out, and we called that one. Yeah, I I feel like that's not bad to say that we called like the entire defense, you know, to to not fall off because literally everybody was calling for them to regress. I don't know how many times I heard that word, and yeah. of course, as you guys know that have been listening, they're using the word wrong, but that's fine. Um, and Allen Robbins, we were all over that one. I think you just had to just set eyes on him at camp. He didn't yeah. play much at all in the preseason or anything like that, but like. If you just saw him in camp, you'd say, "Yeah, this this guy is special. This guy's gonna this guy's gonna be good." He was just torching our very good defense repeatedly. He just his route running's fantastic. He's done very well in games when he's been given the opportunities, and when he hasn't been given the opportunities, he's still been beating his guy. So um, definitely, 
uh, definitely still a positive out of Allen Robinson. What do you got for the other end? <laughs> well, we prediction of functioning offense and quite frankly, a high functioning one at that. The offense has fallen apart in almost all phases. And therefore all of our guesses about production are kind of null and void because it's a team game. Each level depends on the level next to it to perform. If the offensive line's not performing, the quarterback's not going to have time to pass. The receivers aren't going to rack up yards. This offense has truly fallen apart. So the offense in general, we thought was going to come out really with guns blazing in its second year and be, you know, hitting high notes early in the season. And we couldn't have been more wrong about that. I don't know that again, anybody predicted offensive regression in fact the party line for offense was it's going to be good it's going to be great it's going to be better it's going to you know come out of the gate fast we're not going to see a lag like we did the previous season all those things turned out to be false uh it looks exactly like it did last season it's taking a while to get going and we're not sure if it will uh and trubisky especially um whether it's a combination of personal regression or just discomfort in the scheme who knows has looked um Nothing like anybody predicted. Everybody assumed he would start at the level that he was at in the playoff game versus Philadelphia and go up from there. And we have been reminded uh, of the constant that, um, you know, progress is not linear. It goes up and down, and he is currently in a down stretch. Um, You mentioned that we thought the O-line would be a strength, and it's been anything but true. The first game showed that very, very clearly. Lots of tons of missed assignments. Um, blown calls, uh, individual losses. The offense line has been passable in their best game and abysmal in their worst game. And again, I don't think anybody looking at the talent arrayed on that offensive line or, you know, Kyle Long in a surgery-less offseason thinking he was fully healthy. Maybe he was at the beginning and got hurt. We know, you know, he looked fine during camp. They just have been brutal and everybody assumed with Harry Hestad at the helm that again they were just going to pick up where they left off last year and get better um we talked quite a bit about the switch between Whitehair and Daniel I'm you know not necessarily sold on that but it's been tough to tell whether it's working or not because there's been so much chaos around it that it's very hard to pick out one variable and say oh this is working and this isn't the whole line's just been working brutally And then we really believed Nagy would progress as a play caller or an in-game adjuster. And we have almost no evidence of that. And it's, again, tough to tell whether the plays he's calling would work if they were executed well and and the offensive line held their blocks for a second or two. Um, But, you know, even when they were playing okay, his play calling is questionable. His in-game adjustments looked pretty good in London, which is a good sign. Um, the team definitely came out more prepared to play in the second half than in the first. But overall, in terms of has Nagy progressed as a coach, I don't think anyone's answer would be as much as we'd hoped. Yeah, I think I really think sophomore slump. There, I just think there's a lot of lessons that he's that he's learning, and and there is some really bizarre groundswell i'm starting to see that groundswell is too strong of a word but i'm starting to see some people say that matt nagy has you know he's on a hot seat or he's getting warmer yeah you know and it's like ah calm down yeah i this guy's like he's He's 15 and culture yeah he's like 
you, these things happen. Like you, you kind of have time to learn on this job too. Like this yeah. is his first go around as being a head coach. Like he's going to hit some hurdles. Like can he climb over them? That's what you gotta figure out and that's that's what this is right now this is this is an obstacle can how does he negotiate around it let's do the evaluation after the season on matt nagy as an overall grade and talk about what he needs to do in year three like but this like stop stop hashtagging me on twitter about (laughs) firing matt nagy that's ridiculous i just i don't want to see it i don't want to hear i got one more I got one thing that at least I think I feel like I got right. I didn't write it sure. down in our notes, but I was thinking about it. Eddie Pinero. Yeah. No, absolutely. You were strongly in Pinero's camp. I liked his chances to beat Elliott Fry, but I, I didn't. Uh, I was sort of a wait-and-see variety. He definitely had the leg strength, but it, you know, can he have the consistency? And, boy, he looks like he's hit his groove, and, and I think that's great. Did you notice during the London game, though, that he pulled up limping again? Yeah, he needs to make sure he stays healthy. Yeah, that that pinch nerve could could really flare up again, and he's kicked through it. But I I hope he doesn't have to because God, that's got to be painful. He's and, got two weeks now. Yeah, he definitely the the buy comes at a good time, and you know the the Bears have to get healthy in a lot of ways. The defense just took their first like super good punch in the mouth. They've got to sort of get up off the mat and get back to that level of dominance. The offense has to find any kind of stride or rhythm. There's tons of players on the team that could use to get healthy. There's just the coaching needs to take a very long look in the mirror and and not be very blamey and say, hey, it is what it is. And if we're good coaches, we adapt. And, you know, we're going to adapt to the reality, not to what we'd like to have happen, the ideal situation, because that's obviously not occurring. So there's a lot of work to do. Um, at House Hall over the next couple of weeks, and I think they're capable of doing it. I'm with you that the average hungry sports fan has the attention span of a gnat. And I was thinking about this on Sunday night, like what would happen if a team actually ran the way sports fans sort of um, whims ran? Like how many head coaches would you have during the year? It would be like you'd be on your third head coach by the end of the season. You'd be on your fifth quarterback, and you'd be so deluded that Everything would be terrible. I'm with your point that you just have to give everybody a chance to see if they can overcome the adversity. Again, if people had reacted that way in his rookie season and said he just doesn't have it, he's you know he's one and four or whatever he was to start the season off and fired him, they would have missed you know a, a double digit win season and a playoff appearance. So give the guy some time, see if he can see if he can adjust. Do the same for Trubisky. Um, let's see if Harry Hestad could write the offensive line. He's done it many times in his career. There's a lot of potential that this will write itself. Now, I agree the result will be written on the field, but give him a chance to write the result. Yeah, I, I mean, I will own mistakes, and I feel like I got like pretty much everything wrong about the offense uh, as well. And I, I think we were both on Allen Robinson, and the offensive line just has not been – nearly what I thought it would be. And we were very wrong about Kyle Long <laughs> and uh, very wrong about Trubisky, at least at this point. Hopefully he can come back and, and, and change that narrative. Um, it's, it is what it is, guys. Like, you know, it, I, I don't think we were trying to make some sort of rosy 
you know, rose-tinted glasses narrative, what what have you. Uh, when we were looking at the season, I think we were trying to follow what we thought made sense, and uh, it, some of it seemed correct so far, and some of it was just very wrong. And you know, just live and learn. And but I I, I won't apologize for you know seeing a glass half full uh, when I have that opportunity because I would rather be an optimist when it comes to uh, predicting how I think the next four plus months of my life is going to look like. Uh, and that's pretty much what it is for us, for us Bears fans is, you know, it, it definitely does impact our lives a lot. So, um, so Bears are three and two. I yep. very optimistically predicted a 13 and three team. That's not going to happen. Yep. Yep. What are you at? Uh, I think I predicted 11. I predicted one more loss this year, but still a playoff team. Um, let's see, three. I'm going to say one, two, three, four, five. Uh, I think if they do well, this is a nine-win team. I think eight is much more likely. Okay. So... I mean, just looking at the games they have left, those teams are pretty well established. We know what those teams are. Short of, like, something defining, like, oh, I don't know, a an injury to one of the starting quarterbacks of, say, I don't know, the Packers or the Chiefs. That would be a huge development, right, that would change the outlook of those games significantly. Um, but as it stands right now, down the rest of the stretch, yeah, I'd say they'd pick up five or six more wins. Yeah, I think that they go. It sucks because I don't like to say this, but I think they go six and five, and that puts them at nine and seven, and that's not good enough to make the playoffs in the NFC. No, I don't think so. Um, NFC is stacked. If they were in the AFC, they'd probably be the fourth best team right, right. now. But they're not, so that's that's what you get. All right. Well, hopefully, it, it, you know. And the the thing is, is if they. If we're low on that, if we end up being low on that and they do record double-digit wins and get in the playoffs, they will absolutely have earned it through a tough schedule. Oh, yeah. So this is this yeah, is yeah. like, you know, if you want to be the best, got to beat the best, like, this is it. Like, they've got to win these tough games. And every game from now on is going to be tough uh, to, to some level. So they, they all are in the NFL, don't get me wrong, but there's the Dolphins aren't on the schedule. Like, yeah, right. too bad. I'd take them twice right now if they I already could got get Washington. Them. Like that was the easy one. We already got yeah. that one on, on the books, yeah. right? So, uh, all right. Well, um, that's what we wanted to do for this show. We'll come back with a with a good preview of the Saints next week. But let's check back in on that beer. I'm kind of curious to hear what because I can get that one. So, what'd you think of it? Yeah, no, this is, it's lovely stuff. I really enjoy it. It's, um, I just had some listeners will remember the Western Standard, um, uh, you know, whiskey aged, uh, whiskey barrel aged lager uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that was great. It's a little bit lighter than this. This is definitely uh, appropriate for the turn of the season. Like I said, heavier alcohol, but it much warmer, um, little bit sweeter feel but not overly sweet just maltier warmer um those notes of toffee vanilla and caramel are in there but it's got a, a great mouth feel it's a it's definitely a winter beer it's heavier sweeter fuller you know more alcohol it's that winter warmer almost um but a great mix of the the bourbon and the beer 
um, neither one sort of overwhelms the other and they just work well together. I really liked it. Well, I think you won the beer for the night. This was fine, but I, it's not something <laughs> fine. Yeah, that's kind of my like. <laughs> it's like Chase Daniel. Well, it's fine. Like, well, I finished it. So it's, that couldn't be that. <laughs> oh bad. no, but it's no. not. That's not uh, good. Yeah. It's not something I would buy a six pack up. I'm glad I did a mix sixer that added this one in and it's just not something I would have again. It's, it's, it's not, it's not heavy enough for me in a way. Like porters can kind of do that. Some some porters can pull that off, but I think with the flavors that they're playing with, they actually really just need to try stout. But I know porters are a lot easier to handle as a brewer. But um, sure, it's just it's not enough for me to really get into it. And so I would say this just doesn't pass my test. So, wah, wah, wah. Wah. yeah, bound to happen. That's all right. So in the meantime, like Jeff said, we will be back next week with a preview of the upcoming game during the bye week. Uh, until then, I hope you can uh, weather the loss uh, and look forward to the future and be hopeful. A lot of Bears fans are struggling with that right now. But like Jeff said, it's better to better to have a hopeful outlook. It just makes the next uh, couple of months of your life a lot easier. In the meantime, you can, of course, follow the pod. We've got a account on Twitter. It's at Bears Over Beers, and we've got a fancy new logo thanks to one of our uh, cohorts at Windy City Gridiron, uh, Whiskey Ranger, will put together a logo for us, which is fantastic. I'm looking to put that on a T-shirt here pretty soon. Uh, you can follow Jeff at Born. You can follow me at the draftsman fb we love all the feedback we've been getting about the pod and the beers keep those coming you can see our work on windy city gridiron of course um and until next week go ahead and bear down and rest up just like the bears Bye.